Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonski. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I'm your host, Miranda Dekonski, and today I am so excited and honored to introduce you all to Tom Miller. Um, Some of us know him as Coach Tom. Uh, Tom, I've known you, it has to be probably eight or nine years now, because I was living in a little neighborhood behind a gym. And I joined that gym and you were there. And I haven't lived in that neighborhood for probably eight years. So it's pretty crazy how fast time flies. Wait, what gym was that and what neighborhood? Platinum Fitness. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I know you very well from when you were working out as a lifelike, but we go back pretty far. Absolutely. Well, Tom, you know, for those that don't know you, could you just take a minute and just tell us who you are, what you do and yeah, all the, all the good stuff. Awesome. And first of all, thank you for having me. I, it's awesome and to be here and I'm glad we get to share some positive light. And uh, I empower people. My role, I was a teacher. I was a camp counselor. I was a personal trainer, gym manager, gym owner. Through it all, I've realized that I love and passionate about empowering people to break through whatever struggles they're going through. And currently I'm doing it in the form of online fitness, but we've also do corporate online fitness for all these on these remote working teams. We do 28 day challenges for their whole team and then bring that into basically helping the overall productivity of the business and hopefully starting a fitness journey for some people. I love that. I love that. Now, I do know that pre-COVID, you had started Lifelight Fitness, um, which I thought was really cool. It was like a boot camp. Uh, you, your energy and the folks that you had working there, it was just amazing. So you're still doing this, but through Lifelight Fitness? Yeah, Lifelight Fitness is now Lifelight Fitness Breakthrough Academy. And so instead of a boot camp type setting, it's one-on-one fitness and nutrition, but really lifestyle coaching. And I found is like, there's so many people that want to lose weight. And, but then 90% of people lose weight, gain it back. So what, you know, and I spent lots of years at Lifelight doing the six-week challenge. People lose 20 pounds and they gain it back. Yeah. I didn't feel great about that. So now at Breakthrough Academy, yes, we get the weight off, but now we focus on the habits to change, the small lifestyle adjustments to make to keep it off long-term. And I would say that people come to me for weight loss, but I am passionate about empowering every client with what I like to call a quantum shift. Think of identity shift, but instead of the personality, it's their intentions, their, their normal thinking, their overall belief in what they are going forward. It's them moving closer to who they want to be. Yeah. And giving them the tools to do that. And now that I get to do it on an online space, it's been wonderful. And I feel so grateful that, you know, for over 20 years, I've been able to help people improve their lives. And fitness has always been the vehicle that starts, but there's more, much more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you and I have shared a little bit about our past journeys. And I would really love for folks just to kind of hear a little bit about you, you know, how you grew up, a little bit about the path you took to get you to where you are today. 
Um, one of my goals with this platform is to kind of break down those barriers that maybe because you grew up poor or because you've had hardships or because maybe, you know, we made some wrong choices along the way that success is impossible. And I'm trying to break down those thoughts. So I would love just to hear, like, tell me about you, where you grew up, um, a little bit about your path. Oh, gladly. And let me tell you, if mistakes and bad decisions uh, were a reason to not be successful, then I would never even be able to see that word. So I've made lots of mistakes and bad decisions. But it started off when I was a kid, I, I was, we had a very, very, very poor family. And if you were to ask me, hey, Tom, what do you want to be when you grow up? Rich. And to rich to me meant not poor. Rich to me were people that always had food in their refrigerator. And so growing up super duper poor with three brothers and then having a mom that was loved me so much. I love her so much, mom. But she's just to this day cannot get off the drugs. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole different topic. But when you're growing up in that family, that dynamic, things don't really ever get better. They just have different degrees of worse. And I, again, if you asked me what I was going to be, I didn't know what I was going to do for a job. I just did not want to be poor. Like that was my thing. I don't want to not have food. I don't want to not be able to, I want to like do whatever it took. So I decided I will not be like my parents. I will not be like my, I'm going to break out of this. No drugs for me, no alcohol for me. In fact, I am going to dedicate fitness and learning, good, do good well at school. I'm going to graduate and go to college. I will break out of this mold. And it was just a matter of like deciding I wanted to do different and then kind of just seeing myself differently than everyone else and just pushing and pushing all the time. And I did. And lots of help along the way. This was not a Tom inside job, but lots of help along the way from the universe and friends and lots of help from my friends, parents, <laughs> my friends, parents. I was always spending the night at someone's house and, I kind of learned how other families function in the world. And I, I knew what we were doing in my house wasn't quite <laughs> jiving with people. But I, when I got to hang out at my friend's house, there was uh, a good model, not to mention food. I would wait till their parents went to bed and I would eat so much food. It was, you know, you, you don't realize how it feels being that poor until you're older and you realize, wow, that really impacted things. Yeah. I, uh, so, I, um, I shared with you, like, you know, I as well had very, I, I, we didn't have the, the, the drugs, but my mother, you know, she struggles with mental illness and I know what it's like to go to bed hungry. And I had dreams and desires to be like various things throughout my, my life. But for me too, I knew that's funny. Like if you really spoke to my soul because I just didn't want to be poor. I didn't, I didn't know if, you know, I didn't want to be rich. I just wanted to be able to eat a meal three times a day, <laughs> you know, outside of school, like summer breaks were the worst when you're, you, you at least when you don't have the lunch for school. I know what you mean. Yep. Exactly. Everyone else hated school lunch, but me, I was like, let's bring it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Something I realized now is when you're growing up in that, you know, growing up in a really poor family and sometimes months are worse than others. There, there were many times, especially when my teen years, where I was more embarrassed. I was just, the shame part of it was worse than the actual physical needs not being met. Just the shame and embarrassment, I was trying to 
navigate through, push down or do other things to cover up or take the light away. And I would say that that more than anything, that feeling of less than, not good enough, of always trying to measure up or always feeling lucky to even be included because, you know, you grow up so much of your life feeling like you're not included. So that to me was, it took a while to realize that there was a lot of shame involved with it. And that shame when it transfers over to a lot of other areas of life as you get going. But to get back on before I get too off, off track, I was that guy, no drugs, no alcohol. You just stay fit, do your work, you know, treat people well, boom. And it lasted well into my 30s. I graduated from college, became a teacher. I was a camp counselor during college. Loved that job, by the way. Then I became a teacher in Santa Rosa for eight years. And somewhere in my 30s, I decided, hey, this rule I've had for myself, no drugs, no alcohol, I deserve to break it now. I deserve to have a new rule. And that is go ahead and try it. And I think I made a deal with myself when I was a little kid. As long as I never did drugs, I'd be good. But if I did them, maybe not so good. In fact, I think I decided it wouldn't be good because not everyone that does drugs once goes into a chain of negativity. Yeah. Randy, I did drugs sometime after I turned 30. By the time I was 36 years old, I was in federal prison. Oh, Tom, I didn't know that. Wow. What happened? Yeah. And it's not something I love talking about, but it's my story. And yeah. it was all drug related. Yeah. Everything drug related. And it just took on a life of its own. And, you know, retracing, just learning, waiting that long to, to start you feel like you've got a lot of things figured out. So right. stopping for me was incredibly hard because I had my own way of how it should go. And the fact that I was not using anything just years ago, come on, we don't need all this 12 step program and counseling and abstinence. I can do it my way. So I struggled for years. And I think one of the reasons I can really relate to the weight loss people is because I know what it feels like to want to stop doing something or to change and to continue to go back to that loop and cycle. Yeah. And, to, and for people to think, why don't you just stop? And you say, yeah, why don't I? And next thing you know, you're doing it again. Yeah. So that went on for years. And when I got out of, when I finally got out of jail and prison, I, because I, there's a series of both. You go to jail for a while and you go, oh, it was horrible. Oh, that's a whole another podcast. Yeah. But I um thought I I really had plans to get out and hit the ground running and all systems go. And for a bit, things were good. I got out in um I 2010. And so by 2012, I was homeless. Wow. I started drinking, decided never to do drugs again. And remember, I've never been a drinker either. Yeah. But I decided drinking is legal. I'm going to drink some. This is going to help a little bit. I won't do drugs anymore. Whoa. Alcohol was harder to stop than the drugs ever were. And that was 
a whole journey within itself. Fast forwarding a bit, my probation officer said, you are, you are one of the most hopeless alcoholics I've ever seen. Wow. And we were talking, I'm plunking out of rehabs. I'm going to detoxes. I even lived at a church for six months, Victory Outreach in Gilroy, um, towards the end of 2013. Literally about a year before I got the job at where you saw me at Platinum Fitness. Yes. And I remember when I was homeless and on that porch thinking, where am I going to get my drug of choice today? Where am I going to get some more alcohol today? And it was methamphetamines in case you want to know. (laughs) So meth was what really made me uh, not so cuckoo. And the alcohol is what made me absolutely just almost lose my life. Wow. Wow, Tom. I remember though, I was there on the porch. I, it was just, a, it was a deserted house. I'd spent nights there before. And this day I was going to get up and do my routine of trying to get the money, you know, this stuff. And yeah. it was typical. But I remember thinking that this burn, this light, this shine was there for a while. And I just kept pushing it down. But the longer I wasn't intoxicated, the longer I had to wait to find where I was going to get loaded with burn more. I felt it more. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to do something. I had one friend left that had not, did not, uh, had not just said, forget it. You're hopeless. And, um, she had some things going on and she said, if you're going to come here, you absolutely cannot use drink anything. And you have to be totally willing to do this. And I was not willing. Took me months to get there. Yeah. But finally I realized if I didn't get off that porch, all the stuff I thought about as a kid, all the stuff I thought about over the years, even thought about in my jail cell, none of it would happen. But I knew that I had already blown it. I mean, I blew it. There's, there's no way I'm getting credibility or anything. So maybe if I could just get out and do something that helps somebody, just one person, two people, maybe it's going to be okay. It's going to be better than it is now. And I'm going to just do that. Well, fast forward, I got to open a gym of my own that was successful beyond my dreams. Thank you all the people that made Life Life Fitness awesome, especially you, Miranda, and Kevin, and all the clients. I mean, just so much came together. Yeah. I married the woman who actually- I know, I, I remember. One of the highlights of my calendars, I get to go to a volleyball game today and see Jack and Dean play. Oh, then I'm gonna cry a little bit. Okay. No, it's like, this is, so here's an interesting thing, Tom. So I knew you had some hardships. I wanted to talk to you because I think you have such a tremendous story, but what people can't hear and people don't see is how just ridiculously positive you are. You really make a difference in people's lives. Your optimism, your positivity. I saw it. I've seen it firsthand in multiple places, multiple times where people just are drawn to what you've created, drawn to it. Um, and just to know, you know, you know, the struggle that you've been through, do you think maybe you, do you just appreciate this now even much more or like, where does that positivity come from? I think I have a positivity cheat code. I think since I had everything taken away. Yeah. And of of course I grew up in a childhood that was tough and that was not my fault at all. I was born into it and that is how it is but the worst pain in my life was all created by me and it was painful to go through. And it was 
hard to lose that, but to lose so much and to make so many bad decisions and still have an opportunity to get up and do something awesome that day. I, I truly am the most grateful man on the planet because it's almost like I got a second chance, third, fourth chance. And now I get to actually just show up, be silly. And the biggest thing I've struggled with is just being authentic. Yeah. Well, so many years of being a people pleaser, you're so worried. I, I want everyone to like me, right? I want everyone to agree with what I'm saying. But I've learned that, man, that was a lot of work and I wasn't doing it very well. And so now I just focus on being authentic. And whenever I can help a situation, I do. And if it's a situation I can't help and it's horrible, I get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And now looking back, you know, over your journey, if you had the ability to give your 18 year old self advice, what advice would you give yourself? Don't do drugs. Yeah. Right. Oh. Actually, I would tell him because I was, that's the only message I was telling my 18 year old self when I was 18 is don't do it. Just don't do it. I would tell him that what you think matters and what you're thinking all the time isn't always real. So your thoughts are something that you actually can control. Your brain is not who you are. It's actually a tool. And I want you, 18-year-old Tom, to start learning to use that tool now. That would have saved me years of agony and chaos with this mind going on and on and on about how bad I was or how not good I was or how awesome I was either better than everyone or, or I was less than everyone. Yep. But I wish I would have known sooner that that mind chatter, it's not real. It's yeah. just mind chatter that we yeah. can learn to deal with. So many of my guests and I, we've talked about anxiety and imposter syndrome and you know mental health. We've had so many conversations uh, on this very podcast with other guests about all of these things. And you know, sometimes, you know, myself, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I also have openly struggled with anxiety. So I will, I will, I am my own worst critic. I will beat myself up. And one of the best things I've done is I've gone to therapy over the years to help me build a toolkit to where I can parse out what is something I really need to be worrying about. And what is something that I'm just manufacturing? Like, you know, I said something a certain way. Oh my gosh, why did I say it that way? Why did I use those words? The reality is, is I'm probably the only one thinking about that. I'm probably the only one fixating on it. And the other person probably has moved on. I love that you said that. And I'm going to ask for permission. Can I give you another tool to add to your toolkit? That's helped me a lot. Yes. R3. And remember, I have learned from lots of uh, behavior modification programs, rehabs, detoxes. So, and studied a bunch. And this is what I use with my clients and myself. You are three, because most of these patterns, these, I didn't do that well enough, or I'm not, I said that wrong. These are just patterns. They're not real. And they're happening unconsciously again and again. Like we think the same thought or the same type of thought over and over all day long. So first thing is you recognize R3, recognize, release, replace. So awareness. The first is just being aware of what, what you're thinking, what's going on. And as soon as you're aware of that negative thought, that pattern thought, that habitual compulsive thought, you release it. You, at the moment you recognize it, you release it without argument. That's the key. 
Don't fight with it. Don't try to analyze whether it's right or wrong. Don't try to make it less or more. Just say, ah, there you are again. Recognize this as a pattern and just breathe it out, let it go. And then replace it with present moment. Just get right back to the present moment, whatever's happening then, whether you're on a podcast, reading a book, or just chilling, do it 100% completely. And just practice that R3 again and again and again. It's like cognitive behavior therapy with a little quantum physics. Boom. Works for me. I love that. I've never heard R3, but now that's going to, I'm going to add that to my toolkit. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. That's awesome. So let's talk about your legacy. Imagine we are a hundred years out and people are thinking back on Tom Miller and what he did and, you know, the legacy he left. What do you want folks to remember you for? I love this question because this one I am crystal clear on. Papa Tom. Papa Tom is a 60, 65-year-old grandpa that has gone through a lot. He does not judge others, yet he doesn't really co-sign anyone else's excuses or BS. He has financial freedom in a way where if their finances aren't a decision, we don't have to make decisions based on money because the money's there if we need it for whatever we need it for. But most importantly, Papa Tom is the grandpa all the grandkids can't wait to hang out with because he's present. He is present and enjoying every moment like a Buddhist monk. He's just enjoying it as it comes, not waiting until this gets this way or looking back, just being there and loving the connection I have with the grandkids and the family and looking back on how I evolved from being this selfish self-centered money map because when you grow up poor money matters more than anything for a while till well, you realize it doesn't <laughs> and i had to realize that the hard way so just being that papa tom who is grateful yet courageous fit yet not obsessed or insecure about it and has completely left behind his people pleasing compulsion that has made his life crazy because it's hard to be a people pleaser and authentic at the same time. So Papa so Tom, that's the vision I have for my life. I love that. I really love that. And the last fun question, or maybe not fun. Some people take it in a different direction. That's okay too. If you could have dinner with any two people dead or alive, who would they be and why? Jesus of Nazareth and Marshall Mathers from Detroit. Ooh, yes. Which one do you want first? Um, gosh, Marshall Mathers, uh, Jesus isn't bad either. That's a really good choice, <laughs> but that's the first time anyone's ever said that on this podcast. So yeah. That's I want to get his side of the story. Jesus. I want to see how, how he sees exactly. it. Exactly. Like, you know how the truth gets diluted along right. the way. That's, I like to get another perspective and his would be great. <laughs> yeah. And Marshall Mathers, huge. And those of you who don't know, Miranda obviously does is Eminem, the, the rapper. Born raised Michigan. Oh my gosh. So Haley is almost the same age as my daughter, Jeff. Oh. And Eminem is almost the same age as I am. Okay. Since, and I have a daughter, Jenna, who's um, 30, she'll be 32, and she is getting her, she's becoming a doctor of psychology now. She works at Innova with kids on the spectrum and she is so passionate about it. It's, it's amazing to watch her go. Now, keep in mind, this is the daughter who I was her hero. They used to call me soccer mom, Tom. 
day. I mean, I was, she wrote that essay, my dad's my hero. And now, and then when I hit 30 and she hit nine, everything changed for her. Yeah. Before I hit 30 and she hit nine, we'd gone to Eminem concerts together and everyone hated Eminem except us two. And it was like a bonding connecting thing. Yeah. And watching Eminem's journey and Haley's journey and them together and Jenna and mine, because for years she wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't return a text, nothing. Yeah. Now we talk casually. I got to pay for her wedding. I got to walk her down the aisle. And I feel that when I talk to him, how Haley kept him on track when things were going crazy. Yep. Because there were so many times that Jenna kept me on track when things seemed like they would never get back there. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would love to know more about how he will go from here to whatever he will do next and share what I know he still has inside him too. Yeah. He's got a very powerful story as well. I mean, very powerful. Tom, thank you so much for being so vulnerable, opening up and sharing so much with me. I can't, you know, reiterate how much it means to me. And I'm so appreciative of you and everything you've done for our community here and and Pleasanton and beyond. And um, thank you. Well, thank you. And you, I I love, I love the vision and mission of this podcast. And I hope you reach lots and lots of millions of people because the more positive out there, the better overall consciousness. Right. We are force multipliers. Let's multiply positivity, right? Ooh, virtual high five for that one. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tom. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.